welcome to The Right Conversation. I'm your host, J.D. Dubois. And I'm Dr. Corey Yeager. The Right Conversation is brought to you by Everyone Has a Story and our friends at Broken Blanket Media. This podcast is meant to be a safe space, a compassion-filled space, a space for you and me. So bring your differences and come as you are. Together, we are going to normalize the conversation around mental wellness. Today, Doc, I really want to, something that's been on my mind during this this COVID break is um, that transition that our players are going through and are thinking about when it comes to what am I going to do when my career is over, right? Like a lot of players are home with their families. They're finally having an opportunity to sit back and and, and really think about what else do I enjoy? What else do I want to do? Um, what, what are some thoughts just off the top of your head that that you've thought about or that come to mind when, when you think of how players are going to be able to manage this time, specifically when it comes to thinking about how they'll transition to their post-basketball careers? Yeah, J.D., I think that's a good question. Um, one thing that we talk a lot about is the reflective process that we all need to develop across lifetimes. Um, and then there are moments in our life that that reflective process kind of grows. I think we're in the midst of one of those moments um, with all that we're dealing with, with this COVID-19 and, and the virus. It has really kind of forced us into a space of reflection. Um, and I think one of the things that players are or should be doing is reflecting on, all right, so what's my journey been? And then that aspect of, all right, so where am I headed? When this basketball life is coming to an end, the expiration date, we talk about basketball having an expiration date. When when this is done, when my career is over, what do I want to do? Um, and that doesn't mean they have to settle on an answer necessarily, but at least begin the process of thinking about what will I do when this is completed? Um, and, and I think that it's important to not box themselves into coming up with one answer for that. Yes. that we, can, we, so we can have a multiple layered answer there. I want to go into communication. Maybe I'll be an announcer. Maybe I want to start my own business or get into real estate. All of those things are important. But if we can reflect on what we may want to do, we can start to go deeper into each aspect of those thoughts um, and I think that's a crit- of critical importance um, now that when it's time to end, the, that you've become more aware, you're more prepared for uh, what that next stage of life will bring. So I think this is an extremely important time. And then, Doc, just as I watch you on a day-to-day basis with players, is there ever hesitance um, from players to have that discussion about, hey, what else would you – what else would you be interested in after your playing career? I know it's something sometimes I, I just try to bring up in, in random conversation, but I'm interested to know kind of from, from your standpoint, what's the, what's the feedback when that conversation is brought up? I've seen players that have been really pretty receptive to that conversation, but I've also engaged players that kind of say, I'm not thinking about that right now. All of my focus and energy is on my playing career and getting better today. Um, for the journey, basketball journey ahead. So I think it's a both end. I think it's um, really dependent and incumbent on who that individual is. I think it really also plays a large role on what point in their career they're in. Um, a kid that's in their first, second, third year is focused and, and, and focused on where their basketball journey is leading. Um, so for them to really think about where they're, what they're going to do at the end of the career may be a tougher move as opposed to a veteran, a wily veteran that is in year 12 that is beginning to think about already what may be coming. So I think that the approach has been um, run a pretty wide gamut in terms of how players engage those conversations. Um, And I try to gauge when it's time, when the right opportunity to kind of push that conversation forward uh, with a player is, because certain players, you can kind of tell, not ready to discuss this yet, but the others will bring it forward. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next. So I think it, I think it's really dependent on who that player is and where they are in their career. And, and to that point, I'm uh, excited to, to speak to Darrell today because of the, the fact that he, he was in both of those positions in his career. He was the 
18-year-old rookie who, who was taking that leadership from those older veterans on his roster. Um, and then at, as his career um, was at the tail end, he was that veteran who was now giving that advice to the younger players. So I'd be interested to hear um, when we get back from the break. Welcome back to The Right Conversation. I'm excited to, to bring in a, a special guest, a friend of the family, um, played 16 seasons professionally, was drafted one of the last draft classes to come out of high school, um, was able to endure a, a very long and successful career on and off the floor, uh, somebody that is, is really a part of the identity of the Los Angeles basketball culture not only on the floor, but just giving guys like myself and all of these young guys that came out of the Southern and Northern California areas, somebody to look at in terms of how to be a pro, um, how to be involved in the community, how to always come back and, and make sure that they're reaching back for that next generation. Um, a, a person who has really impacted not only youth sports throughout his career, but also um, in his short tenure as a retired player as well, just continuing uh, to impact and influence and influence our basketball culture. Uh, we just want to welcome uh, L.A. native Darrell Wright. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. I appreciate that intro, J.D. That was perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Darrell, one thing that we we, we talk about a lot, and, and obviously now with a lot of these young guys now having that G League option is being drafted at such a young age what did that feel like and what was the structure in terms of support? Uh, I know, obviously, legendary um, guidance from Pat Riley. And how did you feel being drafted so young? And, and if you could speak a little to the advantage of having such a, a prominent um, advisor in your corner and, and a person like Pat Riley and maybe some others that were around as well. Man, the, the first thing I would say is uh, very overwhelming. Uh, me being, you know, I grew up in the inner city, uh, the NBA, the professional athletes, the entertainers. That was like that wasn't too real for us because we didn't see our people in our community doing that or done it and came back. So it was one of those things just like every kid dreams of is, you know, making it to the NBA and having a successful career and supporting your family, all those great things. So. Uh, just to get there, man, was like, man, I, I made it. You know, I accomplished a goal and I beat the odds, you know, being an inner city kid, you know, not getting caught up in the streets, not getting caught up in the in the system and going in and out of jail and stuff like that. So it was definitely overwhelming. Uh, I couldn't be blessed enough to get drafted by an organization like the Miami Heat, who's one of the very few first class organizations in the NBA. and. You know, me being able to grow up in Los Angeles and watch Pat Riley for all those years with the Showtime Lakers, you know, I had so much respect for him from day one when I walked in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. He kind of looked at me as like one of his own, like his his son, because I was just so young. So, yeah. man, all the information, all the things he installed in me to be a professional, to be a, a husband and father I've become – is all the things that, you know, we sat in this office for hours and talked about at a young age. So, man, I was super, super blessed to be able to be drafted in Miami and be, you know, mentored by Pat Riley. And to this day, being a, a, a great resource and a great friend to reach out to. Mm-hmm. What's hey, that? You got to see. Hey, Darrell, just a quick question. I, I love how you summarized uh, kind of that entrance in and used the phrase a couple times of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about the veteran leadership that you had around you. I know you've talked and written a, a bit about uh, those impact and influential players that were veterans when you came in, um, Alonzo Mourning, amongst many others. How did how did that veteran leadership impact you early on? And not just early on, Darrell, but throughout your career, how that veteran leadership um really played a factor in, in, in developing you as, as a player and a man? I think, I think it helped so much, man. Like I, I didn't know nothing, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything. So this is basically me learning the stuff that, you know, maybe my mom and dad didn't get a chance to get around to 
that I was learning from these guys at the highest level. So, uh, but thank God for great parents for teaching me great manners, how to carry myself in public and how to be, you know, res- uh, respect, re- respectful to your elders. So that's the type of approach I took to it, even though these guys were my peers now and they were maybe 15, 10 years older than me, you know? So uh, just having an opportunity to have a Lonzo Mourning, having a Shaquille O'Neal and Eddie Jones, D-Way, all these great players, man. It was just crazy that I was being able to get free game, like mm. he likes to call it now. I was getting so much free game, and I, I was like a sponge. I was soaking it all in. Some, day, it was, some days it was harder than others because, you know, you, Absolutely. you, you think they just full of mess and just telling you anything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wait your turn. You're going to get your opportunity. Keep working. Uh, you know, get here early. Leave later. Show coach you, you know, you really want to be a part of this. You know, that that all sounds good when, you know, you're a multimillionaire. Your family is good. You know what I mean? You're going out there mm-hmm. playing 20, 30 minutes. That's cool to say to a young fella. But, you know, me being so wet behind the ears, I say. I was like, man, they all full of mess. But, okay, I guess I'll wait my turn and just keep my head down and stay at it. And that's what really, really led to me having a successful career and a long career because I didn't take none of those words that those guys gave me for granted. Yeah, Darrell, you use, uh, when you talk about that, it just reminds me of the importance of being able to reflect, uh, reflect back on that impact and influence in those people that played uh, such a critical role finding the ability to reflect back because if you can reflect back on the importance of all those people, you then get the opportunity to hand some of that, that learning off to that next generation. For you, it was my many players, but it also hit home closely because you got to do it with your brother as well. Um, right. I, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's pretty cool um, and important. I, I would assume. When you think about the, the fact that a lot of these guys now who are going from high school straight to the G league, um, and, and some guys maybe one and done or go to Europe for a year. Um, and they're going to these teams where there are not as many veterans. What are some advice or what are some things? And maybe, Doc, you, you have some some ideas on this as well. Where would we send those same players to gain that guidance outside of a coaching staff if a lot of these rosters aren't filled with three, four, five veteran players. It's a lot of guys with the oldest guy on the roster is 28, 29 years old, and he's still trying to figure himself out. Is there any feel on if you could think back and say, okay, if I was in that same position, but I take all those vets away, where were some areas where I still could have received some of that knowledge or would it just be a lot more difficult? No, I think that's that's where it comes to keeping your circle tight. You hear that cliche. Mm. Okay, like you gotta have your circle tight. Make sure everybody that's in your circle is not no yes man and this and that. And that's true. You know, I had two of my closest friends live with me my first, you know, few years in the league. First, yeah, like my first four or five years before I, I, I got my family and stuff like that. And I got I picked the best the best two friends that I felt like that was gonna keep it real with me. When I'm flacking, they're gonna be there to let me know, yo, man, you gotta get on your job, you gotta do your thing, you gotta do this. And so valuable. What you say? I said that's so valuable. Heck yeah, it's so valuable, man. So, and a lot of these guys get caught up. You see these guys with all the talent in the world. They could score with the best of them. They could jump higher than anybody you've ever seen, but their careers don't pan out to a guy that's, you know, humble. Uh, make sure his circle is tight, uh, not staying out of trouble and stuff like that. Like those, that's why these people are here. It's so much down and free time being a professional athlete where, you know, we're practicing four four hours out of the day. That's 20 hours of doing Mm. nothing. So if you don't have a proper people around you telling you, I don't think that's a good idea today, bro. I don't think, I don't Mm. think that's smart. If you don't got those type of people around you, then it's the blind leading the blind. Everybody going to fail. Yeah. Hey, so you use the, the term free game that we all we all know that term. We all use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to ha- get that free game. But but the point that I think is just as, if not more important, is is surrounding ourselves with wise counsel, Darrell. That's, mm-hmm. what, you, that's what you were doing um, when you brought your friends in that you knew would, would give you good and valid information 
but they're just they're your peers. Yeah. Um, but to have that wise counsel, seeking those three or four folks that will be engaged with you in that in that um, in that tight circle, that they because what we know we talk a lot about Darrell's. You can get wise counsel, but recognizing how to utilize it. My granny would say, "There's a difference, boy, between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is not, knowledge is getting good information." Wisdom is to be able to apply that information at the right time in the right setting. So I think that piece of of tight circle, wise counsel, free game, critical aspects um, that lead towards success. They don't equal success, but they lead you down the path towards success. I think that's pretty cool. For sure. I'm with you on that one. I like that one, wisdom and the knowledge. That's a, that's a good one right there. I might have to steal that one. That's Granny. Hey, you got to give credit to Granny. Granny gave me that. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Granny. <laughs> that's and right. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned the wise cancel and, and D-Wright, you, you allude to that circle because when I look at uh, a lot of the star players that came out of California mm-hmm. that are in the league now, Russ, James, Dame Lillard, um, you, you look at the guys that they were around when they were younger are the same people that are still around them and still holding them accountable at the highest highest level. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Still in the gym with them, still making sure, hey, we got to – and these guys are superstars, and they still have that same consistent core group of guys around them. Um, and there's obviously a lot of other players. DeLon is, is similar in the sense of it's the same, same couple guys that are going to tell you not necessarily what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And at mm. the right time, yes, I think sir. that's a, a part of a player's success that isn't touched on enough is the vetting of who should I still be around? And not necessarily saying that we aren't going to be friends, but when it comes to the development of my career, the value of those three or four people that are going to be around me and they're, and they're going to be that outlet when I'm not playing, um, uh, maybe not getting as many shots per game or this player is shooting more than I think. If I go home and they're feeding me more nonsense, mm-hmm. I'm coming back to practice with a perspective that the coaching staff has no idea why I'm so irritable. But really it's because I was at home for the last two days getting fed a lot of nonsense. Right. Uh, could you speak kind of to what you've seen over your career in terms of the value of a tight circle as opposed to players that you've seen that ne- not, didn't necessarily have that tight circle around them. Yeah, you see it more nowadays because of the social media and people are being so outspoken. And I, I don't like it. And I do sometimes just because, you know, maybe that's motivating the player, but it's never a good look, you know, for the for the organization and stuff like that. So I get caught up in that too now, just, you know, being outside looking in and me taking up for my brother. But I, I never talk about coaches and nothing like that. If there's anything, I'm going to get on him about what he needs to do. But I feel like you see it a lot more now with the with the social media. Everybody just has that platform now. By one by me pressing send, thousands and millions of people can see some type of comment mm-hmm. I made. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Hey, I feel like you gotta. That's one of those things you gotta weed out. Like, listen, that that's not right. Like, you being able to have, you know, you being having a voice and saying that this and that about a coach or a situation, that's not right. You don't you don't want those type of people around because now when you go to that next team, when everybody's doing their due diligence on what type of person you are, what type of people you're around, they're gonna remember those tweets and and you be a little outspoken about why. Your boy wasn't playing 20 minutes and mm. Blase Blase played 20 minutes, but he didn't score as many points as you, you know? And that and that's called cancer. My dad told me that a long time ago. That, that's mm. cancer. And nobody wants a cancer on their team. That's heavy. Darrell, you said something too that, that just reminds me. Um, you've talked about how uh, players um, need to be able to budget their finances, which is mm-hmm. extremely important. Sure. But another piece that you that you talked about that we need to find the ability to support these younger players, especially in budgeting their time. You just right. said, and hey, you come in at eight o'clock to get some shots up early, practice by noon. You to put four hours in, but by noon you don't have to be back till tomorrow morning at eight. Right. You've got 
20 hours of time in front of you. And, and you that can be beneficial because you have all that time, or it can also be detrimental because you got all that time on your hands. So talk a little bit about how do you how do you budget not only your finances, but budget your time wisely and how that plays into that circle. Uh, talk a yeah, little bit about that, Darrell. That's a great question, man. <laughs> that's so that's a good question because I just wish all those years I was picking up more books, learning more about the business and stuff like that. You know, this new era. And salute to LeBron James, salute to Shaq, because Shaq was kind of one of the first ones that kind of went against the grain of, you know, the narrative. If you're doing commercials, if you're doing movies, if you're doing business ventures outside of basketball, that's a distraction that's taking away this and this from your game. I think that's a lot of baloney right there. Mm. I think Shaq and what, Le- what Shaq did and what LeBron is doing now is shifting the culture. Mm. Players are getting smarter now and about – now, now they're thinking about uh, uh, generational wealth, you know? Mm, now, mm. Yeah, now guys are, are looking to, to line up their families and their families and their family and their kids yes. to be uh, just as, uh, you know, wealthy as them. So I just feel like the more you're reading, the more you're, you know, reaching out, asking questions, the more you're being um, uh, active with the Players Association because they always have things going on. Now it's just a little easier for me to get into it because I could get an email, you know, I could sign up for a class, I could do this and that. Back in the day, it wasn't that easy. You gotta get on the you gotta get on the laptop, you gotta do, you gotta go to AOL, then you gotta log in. Guys wasn't doing that. I feel yeah. like guys are doing way better with their time than what we did in my era, even though I'm still like young, but I was in a different era. So I, I just think it's so important to continue to educate yourself and feed the brain. Mm. Uh, more information because there's so much out here and there's so many opportunities for professional athletes to do what they want to do or always dreamed of other than being a, a, a professional athlete. So I think it's it's more about you taking advantage of it mm-hmm. and your agent, whoever it is, your manager you're working with, ask those questions, man. What are you interested in? And I'm pretty sure they know someone in that field or if they don't, a friend know. It's That's crazy. That's that wise counsel, baby, right there. It's crazy you say that, D-Wright, is because I feel like sometimes society is almost a damn if you do, damn if you don't. If a player isn't doing anything outside of basketball, it's, oh, man, all these dudes care about is basketball and they don't have no other interests and they're not getting ready for what they want to do after their careers. Mm -hmm. And then if they go into a venture that they feel is something that they'll do after their careers, oh, man, this dude isn't that focused. He's worried about making music. Well, if I look at, uh, use Dame Lillard, for example, if I use that, oh, he's not focused, he's making music. Uh, actually, if you really look into his work ethic, he's probably much more dedicated to his craft than the guys that aren't making music and don't have extracurricular hobbies and another passion. Or if you look right. at him, obviously you were with him, and I'll, I'll let you speak to those two um, in a second. If you look at C.J. McCollum and from the – kind of I think that previous generation's understanding of how can this guy be doing a podcast and worried about the game more but I'm sure if you're around him you'll you'll see that and from everything that I've heard about him is he's a huge student of the game and student of the craft and if you hear him talk about the game it, it's clear that the that the guy pays a lot of attention to what's going around around the league and studies and is always looking to improve his game and um, try to get their team to to championship uh, levels. Can you speak kind of to one being able to play with those two, but also being able to see um, their work ethic uh, to their craft, but also uh, their understanding that it's bigger than basketball and there's nothing wrong with spending that free time on a passion um, because it could take your mind away from the pressures of the day to day grind that the NBA um, provides a lot of players. Yeah, I, I love what those guys are doing. And this comes for, you know, this comes from, you know, not only myself, LaMarcus, uh, Wesley Matthews, Mo Williams. By the time we got to Portland, that was my 10th season. That's Mo Williams' 12th season. That's LaMarcus Aldridge's eighth season. So you got a second-year pro in Dame, and you got a rookie in, in CJ. They see what we're doing. I started a clothing line. LaMarcus was uh, investing 
Mo Williams was doing his AAU. All of us was doing something. So, and they used to ask a, a, a lot of questions like, yo, bro, how did you get into this? How did you get into that? And us being veterans, which wasn't the case back in the day, we were putting them on game. This is what we doing. This is how we doing it. It wasn't, okay, look at this watch. Look at these cars I got. And that's it. Dang, yeah. can you just give me some type of hint or just put me, point me in the direction how I can be successful off the court as well? So I think guys are – I got guys that they watch, guys that came in and out of that locker room, they seen them doing other stuff other than basketball and still taking their crap serious. But they felt like if we got into this, it's cool because I'm matching this same energy I'm putting in here to my crap which is way more important. So I salute them because they're doing a lot. I, I was pretty impressed when I spoke to CJ. I reached out to him uh, maybe a month ago, and he was telling me all this stuff he was doing. And I was just so happy, like, wow. Like, mm. I would never knew you was doing all that, you know? So, uh, so D, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, but D-Ray, what, what you just described beautifully, you just kind of painted a picture of the importance of what JD talks a lot about and, and utilizes, I do as well, is the, the importance of developing the whole individual. That basketball is of critical importance and can be a pathway um, to increase the opportunity to support generational wealth, mm -hmm. but also the holistic approach of who is Darrell Wright outside of basketball? And how, how is he developing all these other aspects that will carry him and his family and multiple generations in the right line um, forever, right? So how is that developed? And I think what happens, Darrell, is that to develop that holistic piece, we first must be aware that there are multiple pieces of the individual, that there are so many other pieces of Darrell Wright outside of basketball. Mm -hmm. And for others to see that you're developing them while being a G on the court. Yeah. Um, the young players get to see a picture of that. You got to see a picture of what Shaq was doing outside of playing basketball that helped, that I would assume helped you um, develop, continue to develop who you were as a man. Um, and, and last piece that I'll say, Darrell, is the work that you've done over the last number of years on the, in the professional realm will impact four generations of the right family that, that your great, great, great grandkids that never met you will mm -hmm. talk about who you, who their great, great grandfather was and, and change the trajectory of your life. It's really, really important. I love how you describe that. Darrell. Heck yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's what we're trying to do, man. Just, Try to implant those seeds so when when those kids that might never meet me, they they can brag to their friends about something. That's right. I love that. D. Wright, what was it like when you realized that you were no longer that young, 18, 19, 20-year-old player who was looking up to the vets, and now you're in Portland and you're the 10-year vet? What was that shift like, and how did that kind of help you transition into those later stages of your, your career where you knew you only had a, a couple of a couple of years um, left? Yeah, it was great, man, because it was one of those things from day one. I talked to Neil O'Shea. I talked to Terry Stotts when, you know, they recruit me to come here. And the, and the main thing is what they what they're preaching is we're looking for a veteran leader who's going to won't have a problem with uh, speaking his mind and, and motivating his teammates and leading by example. And I'm like, man, that that's me. That's a Miami Heat player. You know, I, I've been ready for this my whole life. So once, um, once I got there, it was a no brainer. All I was doing was repeating the stuff, Alonzo morning, Shaq, Eddie Jones. I'm just repeating what they're saying. Yeah, all those, all those years in Miami, getting all that free game from the best of the best. I'm just recycling their bars and putting my little touch on there and letting them know, hey, your time going to come. Hey, Will mm -hmm. Barton. Hey, Alan Crabb. Hey, CJ McCullum. Hey, Myers Leonard. All these guys who signed 30-plus million-dollar contracts. You know what I mean? They, they see me, D-Right. I appreciate you, man. I'm like, man, it's all good. That's, that's just recycled bars that they was giving me. I know 
I know the tunnel, I know that light at the tunnel wasn't close, but it was down there. You just had to keep working, keep your head down and keep getting to it. So once I got to Portland, it was easy for me to, to motivate guys and, and and be a leader because all those years of being in Miami and being elite, uh, being, you know, one of the guys that had to listen to the older guys, it was easy for me. Yeah, because Darrell, what comes, um, the way that we can view motivation, motivation can be a conversation, but most often motivation comes from me watching you. Right. Um, I'm motivated to be a good father, not because my dad sat down and said, here's how you do it, boy, but watching how he fathered and, mm-hmm. and, and was a lead dog for our family, I then watched an impact that impacted and implanted into me how to be a good pops to my mm-hmm. four boys, right? So that motivation, that language you use of motivation, um, realizing that it comes in multiple ways. That's very true, for sure. Yeah. And then as you transition to the end of your career, you know, okay, I got a couple of years left. What was the what, what was that mental state like? Those last, maybe even this last season, where you knew, okay, this might be my last year. And could you talk a little bit about um, the experience of being in Europe and being away from your family, even as a veteran player, and, and some tips that some some young guys may be able to look into when it comes to guys who, you know, some some players may have to go and spend a year or two in Europe after experiencing that NBA lifestyle. Are there some 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 things that you uh, struggled with mentally in terms of the the lifestyle shift, not necessarily basketball wise. It could be basketball as well, but just that mental space that playing in Europe puts you in, especially once you've experienced over a decade of the NBA. Yeah, I, you know what? Thank God for my wife, man. Jeez, uh, just mm-hmm. being being able to have somebody that's gonna be able to paint the big picture for you. And let let you know, like, bro, this is not a downgrade. You still making money. You still playing at a high level, man. Put your head, like I said, put your head down. Go do your thing. And that's mm. how I kind of went into that whole experience going to Europe after playing eleven years in the NBA. Like, listen, mm. I got a lot left in the tank. I'm gonna show these guys over here. I can still play at a high level. And if a team calls me back to come back, that hey, I'm with that. If not, I'm just gonna start my career in Europe. And I had a great time in Europe. I met so many great people. And it was very humbling to, to, to know that these guys was watching a lot of the stuff I was doing, how I carried myself, how I worked on my game, how I took care of my body. And I felt like I was just like an open book to those guys because they asked me so many questions. And, you know, I tried to give them as much game as possible. Like, this is what you need to do. Uh, these what you. This is the people you need to see. Because, you know, when you get to Europe, that the uh, – the quality of trainers and doctors is it's not as good. So you gotta you gotta do certain things on your own to get back on the court. And you know, I used to try to give guys much as much advice on on and off the court. So my experience was was super dope in Europe. The mental part, I was good. It got hard at times, but I always had to look at the big picture. Like this is a small sacrifice for something that, you know, we're going to have a great life for the rest of my life. So I think I can miss, you know, a few months of family time and being around my family and playing my kids to support them and make a living. So when I do get back and when I do decide to retire, like any other professional athletes, nobody is over 45 when they retire, you know, so that's a lot of life to live. Mm, that's right. So I always looked at it like this is just a small sacrifice to go out here prove I could still play at a high level and, you know, and, and make a living for my family. So that's how I always looked at it. Like, you know, I never looked at it like I got demoted or, you know, I was just the worst player ever. It was just like a, the time changed. The, uh, the the NBA got younger and it kind of pushed me out and I was okay with that. Hey, Darrell, you, you talk about um, the influence that uh, your partner in life, Mia, um, had on you, that her ability to be in the midst of, of your process and give you a good reflective piece um, is important that the, those critical relationships, especially the life partner relationships, how they impact you and they let you have an, another set of eyes 
another set of ears on where you are and where you're headed um, and be able to listen to that and go back and forth through those conversations um, really, really plays into um, the critical and beautiful development of the whole individual. Yes, sir, for sure. And and I just want to piggyback on that because uh, now that, you know, me has been the president of the uh, National Basketball Wise Association, it's been I, this past All-Star, I was able to go watch her uh, women's empowerment uh, uh, panel she did. And I was so, so motivated after it because all these great women are doing dope things. And I love how our men are empowering our women and letting them have that platform and letting them do what they want to do. Because a lot of professional athletes for years, you know, they just wanted their wife to be, you know, be the support, you know, take care of the house. Now these young guys are getting it. The older guys is getting it too. Putting your woman on that platform and letting her, you know, do her thing because man, like that, those are, that's our backbone. And they sacrifice so much, you know. So shout out to the ladies and, and all the women that's doing dope stuff around the world. And it, be, and it becomes, Darrell, the, the, the picture of a power couple, mm-hmm. right? That there's a balance to that power couple um, that in relationships, one is strong where the other is weak and vice versa. And rec- recognizing that balance um, just adds to the recipe. It adds flavor to the recipe. Um, and it makes the meal taste so much better. Man. <laughs> and you guys were the first um, people that I saw with the Right Legacy and um, the Right Way Foundation. It's the Right Legacy Foundation now. Mm-hmm. Go back and give scholarship dollars to, to kids in the community. Put together gatherings for the community that's for the community, not just to hang mm-hmm. out, but it's something that was fun and bringing everybody together. We know that uh, a lot of the players from the city aren't aren't home for a long time and everybody doesn't have an opportunity to get together. But but you guys over the years and, conti- and will continue to, to put together um, fun events for our community. But it's also for a cause that's bigger than just that evening. Can you speak kind of to just what the, the right legacy um, entails and and what you guys are up to with the uh, AAU team. Yeah, man, Right Legacy. So, you know, just to piggyback on before, the D. Right Way Foundation was me before DeLon got to the lead. And um, we did so many great things for the inner city, the single mothers, and, you know, the most humbling thing, uh, sending kids to college and giving them an opportunity uh, to get, you know, a scholarship. So. That, that was sick. And then once DeLon came to lead, me and I decided, like, we might as well do everything under one umbrella, you know. So hmm. DeLon will have to be doing his own thing or me doing my own thing. We'd be right legacy, but still branch off. We could do, you know, DeLon can do this. I could do that. So that's why we just all came under one umbrella because it, it made sense. So, but man, like, this, this has been one of the best things that I've done in my career. And where did it come from? It came from me watching uh, Alonzo Mourning and Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam giving out turkeys for Thanksgiving, uh, being a secret Santa like I've done uh, over the years and adopting six, uh, six single mothers and, and gifting her and her kids uh, stuff they had on their wish list that they probably wouldn't have gotten that Christmas. And, and just doing doing the scholarship, doing the little things that's, that you think that we take for granted that other people cherish and they probably still talking about to this day. Yes, Absolutely. That, that's the feeling I love, you know, especially being an inner city kid. And, uh, and like I said about the odds being against us from day one, when we entered this world. So my, my mindset is trying to give back to as many of those people as I can. And hopefully one or two of them, or maybe all of them, you know, become who they want to be and reach those goals. And, and that's an accomplishment. You know, that's, that's a good feeling that, yeah. you know, you have something to do with someone, you know, getting to where they wanted to be and what they dreamt of uh, since a kid. So that's what the right legacy is all about, man. Giving back, getting these kids in school and giving them an opportunity. So that legacy, Darrell, lives on forever. Yes, um, sir. Having a good, good handle on 
Um, while we're in this moment, we are building the legacy for those generations to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so continuing to give back to the community that, that birthed us, that supported us way before we found the levels of success that you have found, that, that we recognize that you and Mia and the right legacy and Delon have recognized and give back to that community is so, so deeply important because the bulk, the vast majority of young kids that have a dream to play in the NBA, the chances of that coming true um, or to fruition are low, but, but they'll be professionals in some other realm. So having, uh, having that legacy play out for those young people um, and the parts of the community that look up to the right legacy and the right process, um, I think that's really cool um, and, and it's to be admired. And to that point, Doc, we always talk about the research behind someone just a little bit older mm. being the pinpoint of who can influence you the most. And I look at my my age group and James, DeMar, Russ, and you look at the consistency that they hold in our city in terms of impact. Yes, they're superstars in their sport. Yes, they uh, make good money. But the fact that those three guys consistently don't have to be told, don't have to be, they're always making a huge impact um, using their platform uh, to make a difference in our city. Mm. But it is a byproduct of what you did for so many years and all of us and all of those guys were able to attend those events and and, and see the impact and, and then to watch them take it to another level. And I know they'll pass that torch on to the next generation that's to follow as well. For me, uh, just on the outside looking in is a beautiful thing to watch mm-hmm. the torch slowly being passed, mm-hmm. but not only being passed on the floor because we know we we gonna dominate that that space from the perspective of California and LA when it comes to hoop. We know that that's gonna be held down for, for a long period <laughs> of time. Mm-hmm. But when we go even deeper into impact and now using that platform uh, to watch us dominate that space as well. Uh, I think you got to give yourself a lot of credit for that because of all of the years where uh, I'm sure there were moments where you didn't know, okay, I don't know how many people are going to show up, but I, I know this is important and we want to get everybody together, have a good time and, and have a good cause and, and create that, that legacy of uh, whatever position you get, you use that position and that platform to go reach back mm. and grab that next generation and bring them with you. Yes, sir. I, I, love I appreciate that. that, JD. I appreciate that because that, that that means a lot to me, man. Because at the end of the day, me being a big brother and my mom and dad used to emphasize all the time. And I do this to my oldest son when he, you know, doing the little, you know, the little things I used to do to Delon uh, is, man, they're always watching. Don't matter where you are, what's going on, little bro, those little homies, they're watching every move you're doing. So if you're not moving right, they not going to mess with you, bro, because they know that's not the way to do things, you know? So I always tried to carry myself where I was an example. Like, people are watching me. They going to be tuned in. So I got to make sure I'm on my A game. I can't be out here just and, – and let's not get it wrong. Like, I've just walked, you know, a straight line my whole life. No, I have my ups and downs in life, and, and I learn from those. And hopefully none of these – guys ever have to go through that but if they did listen i'm right here i could help them get through that because i've been through certain things so that's how i always wanted to be i always wanted to be a resource i always want to be that connector uh where you can't find somebody to do this or you don't know somebody in this field i always wanted to be that guy but oh i got a guy you know and that's just over the years of building relationships and staying humble for real because people want to deal with humble down-to-earth people you know what I mean? Fun people. They don't want to deal with, you know, the a-holes and the dudes that don't return calls. They want they want good, genuine people. And, and and that's that's how you, you know, you climb that ladder pole because you just being a great person. And recognizing, uh, Darrell, that there are so many that we don't even realize that are watching every single step that we make, good mm-hmm. or bad. I think one thing that's important that you just said is that we're going to stumble and fall. That's mm-hmm. not that's not really a question. The question is, how do you get up? Um, and, and recognizing that 
if there are people watching that you can talk about the stumbles and struggles that you encountered through your journey mm-hmm. and in the hopes that those that are following won't make the same mistake. They're going to make mistakes, but right. they don't make the same mistake. Um, and JD spoke a little bit and touched a little bit on that there is a, a plethora of research that talks about the person that's just ahead of you, one, two, three years ahead of you, um, and what how they've experienced things that we tend to learn from those that are just ahead of us. It's one thing for me to be 51 years old talking to a 13-year-old kid about his life journey, mm-hmm. but it's, it's much more impactful to have a 16-year-old talking to the 13-year-old about the journey that's just ahead of them. I say it to young people all the time, Darrell, what would you like to tell the 16-year-old version of yourself? So I'm going to ask you that. Darrell, what would you tell the 16-year-old version of Darrell, um, given where you are now and the journey that you've you've encountered, what advice would you have to give to the 16-year-old version of yourself? The advice I would have to give, that's a great question. Jeez. I just feel like at 16, that was me. I was in 11th grade. I just didn't know. Like, I didn't know. I, I, I really wasn't believing in nothing. I was just, you know, going every day. Like, you know, not my last, but I was just living. You know what I mean? Probably having a little more structure, uh, better plans, because if my, if, if the things I didn't do that six at sixteen when I really came on the scene and blossomed as a as a basketball star, you know this late bloomer that just came out of nowhere, I just try to look back and see, and see like, damn, where would I really be at right now? You know, but I think those goals and stuff I set just probably more structure, structure. And, and stand on the yeah stand on the path and and doing a little listen to my father a little more. Uh, you know, he bought myself and Delon some weights, and I, I tell you, when he bought them, we probably use them one time, and he and those things collect so much dust. And my dad, <laughs> bro, you you ain't touched them weights. You do some. He's always asking. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Then fast forward to the the 19, 18 year old me that go to Miami, and I could barely lift the twenty five dumbbells. My dad did my push-ups. I would have been in there lifting the 45. Yeah. But you learn from that, Darrell. You yeah, learn. learn from that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's, That's so the I would, key. I would say more structure and just, you know, having having a better plan. That's good. That's great advice. And, and as we close, just when we when we talk about the circumstances of our world today and the, the COVID, COVID-19 pandemic and the fact that so many players are at home, uh, for the first time for this uh, stretch of time and having this much time to themselves, what are some things that that you're uh, embracing during these times? And if you can think back to you as a player, if you were a player during these times, um, what are some some areas that you feel um, players can can help uh, with getting through this process, whether it be looking for what you may be interested in? And during retirement, if this game is taken away from you, um, where do you see yourself um, being occupied with time or, or what occupation do you think you would look to embark on once your career is over? Uh, give us some insight kind of on your thoughts on that. I would say I hope everybody is continuing to going full throttle and making as many calls as possible, reaching out to those people you had interest in, reaching out to those people that sit courtside that always told you, yeah, hit me up sometime. You know what I mean? I, I would be I would be following up with those people that I meet, you know, so quickly. And, and uh, you know, when you go to cities and you don't have enough time, I'd be reaching out to all those people. And another gym to give these young dudes, those people that sit in courtside, they're sitting there for a reason. <clears throat> you know, it's a reason they sitting there. Get to know those people, you know, talk to them. They, they love basketball. A friend of mine, Mark Mastro, who uh, who's now the owner of the uh, Kings. You know, I used to make make it my my uh, job every time he was at a home game with the Warriors to go talk to him and his kids. Just because you know, I never know what's down the line. If you know, I I, I want to do business with him or learn from him or let him be a mentor or something like that. And now to this day, you know, he's been you know recently someone that I go to if I need, if I got a question about something uh, about 
you know, the next phase of, of my career, my life, and in the field that I want to do it in is his field. So I just remember mm. all those days of going, you know, speaking to his kids and him, and they took that, that, that goes a long way. So I would say just continue to, you know, get as much information, learn, read, feed that brain, and reach out to those people that, you know, want to do business with you. And you don't got to do business with them. You just got to hear what they got to say sometimes. It might be something you like. It might not. You learn from Yeah, just learn learn, and, and continue to reach out to those people that's smarter than us. Absolutely. Hey, Darrell, you say something. I know, J.D., we're going to close here. Um, but the, the fact that every single moment of our lives mm-hmm. throughout is one is one big interview. We just don't know what we're interviewing for, but it is an interview. The person that you talk to courtside at every game when the Kings was there, that can end up paying dividends, but you just don't know when or how. So if we engage relationally and build relationally with individuals, it will indefinitely will will pay off. We just don't know how. So thinking of, thinking of it in that way is, is really important. That's all right. And, and, and once again, I wasn't the smartest dude. This this had to be this had to, this is free game that, you know, someone told me. So, you know, I, I just feel like I would be doing somebody wrong if I didn't tell them that, man. Build them relationships with those guys on the at court on court side, because like I said, they're there for a reason. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Again, D. Wright, we appreciate you. Thank you for, for all of the insight. I know there's a lot of key factors and key pointers that a lot of uh, current and future players will be able to look back on this and, and really get a lot of insight on not not only how to drive the success of their on the court career, but also the importance of having uh, a structure of friends that are in the the right frame of mind and uh, the woman you choose to build your family with and the understanding of the off the floor uh, opportunities that will that will exist and and then reaching back into that community and and making sure that those behind you have an example to follow. So we we appreciate you uh, getting on with us. Yes, I appreciate you fellas, man. I appreciate uh, you guys having me. Hey, Darrell, thanks, thanks a ton, man. It was great to uh, get in conversation with you. I'm sure we'll do it again at some point. And we thank you for not only tuning in today, but for helping to normalize the conversation around mental wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by Everyone Has a Story, and Broken Blanket Media. Until next time, this has been The Right Conversation.